Hi guys. Uh, we are outside, not in the cabin because it is cold, but not particularly windy it's today. It's very, very still. And we've got... But it's about minus five, I think. Yeah, I think it said minus five this morning. Um, but no but, wind, so we don't mind. As we have said many times, the cold weather means more storytelling. And so we want to talk about a specific, I guess, view or lens issue with storytelling um so we're going to talk about feminism in or on or around storytelling yeah yeah cool (laughs) i have to say this is the most uh I don't know if I'm nervous, but I'm the most like I feel like I'm on rocky ground yeah. already. Yeah, yeah. Because I've because of the gender that I am. Like yeah. I feel like I shouldn't actually be. A, I might just not talk. You it'd be a talk. dull. It'd be a dull podcast. You but. can talk, and I mean, I wouldn't say that I feel like I am not on rocky ground just because I'm female either. Because um, you know there are, there are so many issues, and depending yeah. on your sexuality, how you present, you know, what gender you yeah, present yeah. as, all the rest of it, you're going to have a different view on, um, yeah, the way that gender is I think I, I shown think in storytelling, you know, in, in fairy tales or any kind of story. I think I've come to it quite late, though, because, uh, well, first thing is that story, like, older stories, because old, I think, because older societies gen, in general, more male-dominant, and you know, mm men would have things written down so things would move on men had the luxury to sit around and tell stories so men would be the Mm -hmm. so i don't think i realized that there was any sort of imbalance for Mm -hmm. until i was maybe like a teenager Mm -hmm. until someone else pointed out like oh have you noticed this about stories and i just because i guess because when it's in your favor you just kind of go like okay well that's the normal isn't it like well it's about the same as a female you know you don't you don't and that's what i think why it's important that's why we have you know we've chosen this topic because it's something we talk about anyway yeah. right so yeah um when we're talking about oh you can tell a story today i'm gonna tell this but i've got this issue with it or whatever mm. um so this is something that we discuss probably every month or so <laughs> maybe um and it's exactly the same for uh women i think and that's that's the that's why we discuss yeah, it yeah, because yeah. you're like telling these stories to children and children don't automatically pick up on uh, you know imbalances injustices and, views and like context of a particular character that you go this is a story from here yeah. it's a 300 year old story yeah. it's probably got this yeah you know so the issue I think that we often discuss is like well do you do you not tell that story like Sleeping Beauty for mm-hmm. example not that mm-hmm. we've ever told Sleeping Beauty but that's a really good example of one that's just like yeah, yeah, you what? should unpick it. It's what? crazy. Um, so, and a friend of ours came to stay and her daughter, um, who's six, brought her own version of Sleeping Beauty and asked me to read it. And so I did. And it had been slightly updated. It was the, I think they're Penguin or Puffin, like classic stories. And mm-hmm. then it was the same version that I'd had growing up in the 80s and only slightly changed but most of the like dodgy stuff was still in it and um and do you just go no i'm not gonna read that or do you read it and then challenge it so when the prince kisses a woman who's asleep (laughs) who's never met him who's clearly not giving her consent to that at all um 
do you read that and then go, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Kissing yeah. someone when they're asleep that you've never met before. And that, that was his first thought. Didn't yeah. try anything else first. Like, I know what'll do it. Yeah. And she'll be so pleased about that that she'll wake up and instantly marry him. Like, that's, you know, not only does that lift the magical spell on the whole kingdom, but, you know, that is her dream too. I wonder if it's to do with a lot of the stories. Uh, um, it's the same with history, isn't it? We follow the royal families and we follow people with land and wealth and power and whether those people did live in a world where like their actions weren't challenged so it's not that you know maybe people uh, the common people telling those stories would have gone yeah but it's a prince isn't it he can do what he wants in the same way that the prince probably turned up at their village and they had to go okay here's all the wheat we've been saving oh fuck okay you're the prince but yeah and maybe like you know arranged marriages amongst the upper classes like you know maybe that is less uh, yeah, because romantic marriage is quite a new yeah. thing in a lot of places. Not yeah. n- not everywhere, yeah. but it is quite... An, um, I don't know, I guess it's interesting. But I guess that thing that comes on to the first bit that I wrote down. From that independent article, we got the five things. And it was... Um, one of them was... Uh, as uh, What was it? It was like marriage or relationships as being like the reward. That is the happy mm. ending is... Yeah. Um, which... It kind of challenges a lot of things because I think culturally, if we if I think of fairy tales in my head, they're immediately castles and princes and princesses and that Middle Ages time period. Yeah. At which point, being paired with someone in whatever way arranged romantically, whatever, mm. probably a massive economic. you know stability kind of thing so it would have been quite a like relieving like oh she's married he's married that family carries on the farm's got someone to do whatever Um, you've got the kids to help you out on the farm whereas if you don't have those your your line continues yeah and yeah just in terms of like day-to-day you don't have those workers for you to help you get the food in you know you're basically going to starve um whereas now um, again, if children are persistently hearing these kind of like fairy tale, and they and they married, and they lived happily ever after, mm-hmm. and they married like whether you're male or female, gay or straight, that whole kind of perception of like, and that's the goal. You get married, and then everything's mm. okay. There's so, no more to be said after that yeah. because you've achieved it. Yeah, and so if you don't get married, you're basically you you failed. You failed at life. You are as a single person, you're not. Um, yeah, you're not successful. You and don't get that happy ever after, which is such a. I think just drip, the drip feed of yep. that kind yep. of mentality for children is, you know, can be very damaging if your life doesn't work out that way, either through choice or through fate. You know, it's that's. Um, and through lots of stories, the male part of a if any story that ends, I think, with a they married and happily ever after, mm. it's very rare. I can't think of an example where it's the the man who has worked and strived, and it's his reward. Oh, I don't know, actually. I kind of think that that is a little bit um, of a balance in terms of, like, for the man also, that is just, like, done. Done it now. That was my aim. My aim was to snare beautiful women. Like, I think about all those, um, all the myths about, um, all the Greek stuff about men kind of on challenges to kind of... Yeah. Women are given as a reward for hard work, for Mm -hmm. challenges. That is just, like, oh, I did all those things and then I got the beautiful virgin. Um and and again that's a really just not just for girls but for for boys to have that kind of message of like that's what you do and you you do it mm. um i think that's yeah because remembering was that like feminism is not about 
women it's about equality mm-hmm. for men and women mm-hmm. so those messages that we're giving to boys are uh, equally important yeah uh, but it does lead into that thing doesn't it of um female characters being objects mm-hmm. rather than fleshed out 3d characters with motives yeah it's kind of assumed for a lot of characters that they're either the princess the the i was gonna say heroine but very rarely a heroine but more oh, the i don't know so like i was rereading um angela carter's bloody chamber yesterday so right. that's um she wrote rewrote lots of fairy tales from a feminist perspective and it's um, it's awesome like very very sensual very dark very are they bloody. for children no oh, not okay. for children they're for, in any way okay. they're for adults right um but you could after you read that you kind of look at um some of the female characters so red riding hood for example um could be seen as uh actually quite a gutsy female character and she rewrites red riding hood twice in this collection of short stories and in one of them uh red riding hood just has this like awesome magical power before she even starts out so she describes her as like she's just hit puberty but she's a virgin and she's just got this like aura of magic around her because she's alone in the forest wearing this like bright red hood and cloak and she's almost like so powerful because she holds all of do you know what I mean like like female kind of mystery inside of her and so and she's got her knife she's got her hunting knife and um and off she goes and she meets this huntsman um who is very saucy and Mm. uh it turns out that he actually is a werewolf. So he's, she, oh, and this, she knows okay. that the, the worst wolves are the ones that are hairy on the inside. But she kind of takes a bit of a liking to him and he, he bets that he'll beat her to her granny's house. Right. Takes her basket with the knife in it um, and she sticks to the path and he go, he's like, oh, I've got a compass. I bet I can beat you and goes yeah. through the woods and does beat her and eats her gran. Right. Hides all of the evidence. And then she gets to the cottage, but she's really clever. She like looks around and she can see like a tiny bit of her grand's hair in the fireplace. And the Bible is closed, which her granny always reads. And she's never seen the Bible closed. It's always laid open at the page that she was reading. And uh, she says, oh, what big eyes you have, all the rest of it. What big teeth you have to, he still looks like a huntsman at this time. And uh, he's like, all the better to eat you with. And she just laughs in his face because she knew she was nobody's Mm. meat. And then she sleeps with him and tames the wolf. And that's the end of the story, you know. And that is... And if you kind of look at the original story, you could view Red Riding Hood as actually quite a powerful, heroic figure. And it has been rewritten like by Roald Dahl and Mm -hmm. all those kind of things in that similar way, drawing a pistol from her knickers and shooting the wolf (laughs) and all that stuff in them. that revolting rhymes or... I think that's one of the interesting things is that... um, we have this notion with a lot of like uh, oral stories um, that the first time they were written down was the original. Mm. You know, like the Grimm's yeah, version is yeah. the original. But um, then there probably were retellings. And I was thinking about um, okay, so where, if I think of where kids get fairy tales from. And I think of like I think like most people, my brain goes to Disney. Mm-hmm. I'm oh, a child yeah, of yeah, the yeah. '90s, yeah, yeah. right? Disney was my introduction to all of those stories. You know, Sword in the Stone yeah. and Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and Snow White and all. Um, and by all accounts I could find, Walt Disney, massive misogynist, just right. product of his time, yeah, just yeah. very, yeah. Um, in that kind of like 
1950s, 1960s, you know, women are chattel and the man does the work and all yeah. that thing. And uh, there's, there's that thing of like, uh, is it authorial intent? Mm-hmm. But I don't know whether it is, or whether, or whether it's like authorial, like lens, you know, like yes, he is yeah, a yeah, product yeah. of the 1950s mm-hmm. um, and when he grew up. And so uh, his retelling just like Angel, uh, what was her name? Angela, Angela Carter. Angela Carter's retelling. Mm. She is a product of mm, whenever 60s. she grew up, yeah, and yeah, you know all those things. Yeah, um, but whether we don't examine that enough with children, we go, "This is the copy of yeah. so and such and such that we have," <clears throat> and that's the one that lives in your bookshelf. And I, mm. I wonder well, that's whether we. What's quite nice actually about oral storytelling that we do here, which yeah. I think we've talked about before, where um, because children probably are going to hear us telling the same story a few times like there Mm -hmm. is a story I told uh, this week I was like goodness me that child who's been coming for a couple of years has probably heard me tell the story about five times now Mm -hmm. Um, and it's probably it's different every time we tell it and that is actually a really great thing for them to hear that actually it changes through the mouth and also they might hear stories uh, that you've told that I then tell the same story in a different way like the one about the hippo uh, that we used to tell oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, and and that's really great. I mean, think about the learning that's that's happening oh, yeah, from massive. that experience. You're kind of looking, you're realising, oh, you know, as you say, people are... It's not fixed. It's not it's fixed. Not comes, Narratives you know. aren't fixed. History isn't fixed. It all depends on who's telling it. Um, but I was, where, where I was going was that I, uh, most, I would say most children's books now, because there's um, quite a big, culturally, we have quite a, a big thing about intellectual property mm-hmm. and that being, you know, oh, this is so-and-so's version of this and you don't get many people rewriting Roald Dahl stories or rewriting whatever but how what an impact it might have if you had four copies of Red Riding Hood in your even in the school library because I know lots of schools would go have we got a copy a copy of Red Riding Hood right we'll buy four of the same copy and we'll put that in the library and and that's it we've got that story whereas is there anything to be gained from Let's get four different people's writing yeah. that story. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah. it, it doesn't really... It's not necessarily then to do with feminism, but it is to do with how different authors have interpreted exactly. a piece of work. And I think that's actually interesting in terms of um, choosing a story to tell to children. So uh, you or I will say, I want to tell the story. It goes mm-hmm. like this. What do you think about it? Yeah. And we might say, oh, maybe like tone down that bit yeah. or ramp up that bit or ch- how about you change it we've, talked, we've had this discussion loads haven't yeah. we let's change it so that at the end the girl doesn't just get given to the bloke mm-hmm. or whatever um, and that there is an argument I think for doing that and not going oh just chuck that story in the bin that is outdated mm-hmm. it's got nothing to say to today's world it's just um, propagating this like negative stereotype of, of you know particular genders. but also when, it, when, when children get older to be able to when they, uh, 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 when they can understand that a little bit more to maybe start with... You know, we've talked before about um, stories where someone... Do you remember we went on the storytelling course and there was a lady there who told us a story that her Ghanan friend had told her? Yes. And the whole time it was this really nice... It's not a bookend, but it's like yeah. a framing device where like yeah. she was suddenly removed and it was this yeah. Ghanan person telling yes. us a story. And that you might be able to tell what could be a very misogynistic story mm-hmm. and go this is from um 
you know, about 500 years ago when men were in charge. And you can give a little bit more context before you start the story. Yeah. Which then becomes an interesting, yeah. like, now we're just, now we're almost time travelling, having an insight into mm. what this was, yeah. rather than a, like, I'm going to tell you a story and it's a story that's relevant and modern today. You yeah, just yeah, go, yeah. like, look, yeah. this isn't relevant necessarily, but it is an enjoyable yeah. ride. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think you do that actually quite a lot when you're telling stories. You will comment on. Oh, I break the fourth wall when I story tell. Yeah. Um, part partly to ease, partly to give myself a break yeah. so that I can jump out and go, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but also, to, I do quite a lot, and I I I need to find another way of doing it, but it makes me really really laugh when um I'm telling a story, and I sort of go like, oh, and the castle, and I like. Because I'm in the... You know, we've talked before about being in the story. Yeah. And because I'm on the road in the story and I can see a castle over there. Yeah. Without thinking, I sometimes point. Yeah. And then if I see a child or... Better when it's an adult. Yeah. Turn round. And yeah. I have to break it and go, it's not actually there, mate. Like, <laughs> you're all right. Uh. But then I feel like I... I feel as soon as I do... I feel like it's quite a like nice, like, ha-ha, we were all yeah. enjoying the story. But immediately I feel bad because I go... Oh, I've broken your immersion yeah, and I've pointed out yeah. that you were so ingrained. You know, yeah. I need to find a different way. Maybe just like yeah. a little nod to myself or something. Um, Maybe it's about going, thank you, thank you for looking because it is there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Than, you, can see, there. you can see it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. T- we're in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you think you... Do you think girls and boys are interested in different stories depending on how... I was going to say gender neutral, but I'm going to say gender equal. Mm-hmm. They are. Do you think boys are naturally more... We've talked before about how some stories work. You know, at the end of the story, you go, that might as well have been a girl. Yes. You know, she, didn't, she didn't operate anything with her genitals. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. it might as well have been yeah. a, a girl who was a yeah. knight. But then there's some stories yeah. that only work because it's a... A girl, yeah, because she has to do certain things, or only yeah. work because it's a boy. Yeah, and do you, I wonder whether there's a thing where like boys are more drawn to stories where the character could only do things a boy could do. There's never a girl troll in any of my stories. No, they are always boys, mm. and I, that wasn't pre-planned. I just was mm. thinking about characters, and I realised that there is in uh, Tuffy that I tell. That's true in your trolls. Tuffy story. Um, Do you think bad characters... So I would say bad characters are either big, uh, physic- physically dominating mm. male characters, yeah. trolls, Probably werewolves, ogres. We are naturally very thick as a gender. Yeah. Um, or... Um, thick and violent. Thick and violent. Or sneaky mm-hmm. uh, is the female trope for oh, evil. Yeah. Sneaky oh. stepmother, oh, sneaky witches. There's vain. never, there's never yeah. a, a female character who's physically no. Domineer, you know, no. and there's never a male. There's very rarely a male character that's aggressively sneaky. Mm. I guess, um, like uh, in Aladdin, the male characters in that who kind of are tricksy, the lamp seller. But I would say that whenever they're portrayed, any a male character that is uh, sneaky. Yeah. It's a bit like, have you heard that phrase that, like, um, poison is a woman's weapon? No. And people say that. and there's, no, there's all this, I've never heard that you know, before. Yeah. Oh, my oh there's gosh. a very historical thing wow. of, like, if someone's poisoned, yeah. it's a cowardly thing because you yeah. haven't done the, the, you done it with your bare the hands. male yeah. sword and steel and right. whatever. Um, but I would say if, you, if I think about sneaky characters, 
and again i'm going off disney as a main reference mm. they're drawn feminine mm. they're oh, drawn yes. curvy yeah, they're yeah. drawn very All you know very you, slender you stick and, long yeah. hair on them and yeah. they could be a female character yeah it's true it's that idea isn't it that like yeah perhaps perhaps women are cleverer maybe that's something that people have tried to i'm not i'm i'm just yeah, yeah, wondering yeah. whether that is the trope because I, I get no, well, it's all it's all kind of linked to like you know stuff like witchcraft um, issues and stuff as well, isn't it? It's like mm. although actually lots of lots men of mo- were accused of witches. Are lots men, of men were accused of being witches too. Um, but yeah, scapegoating. So it's like yeah, women are feeble and worthless and weak until you really need somebody to blame. At mm-hmm. which point they become evil, conniving with the devil. Um, you know very capable of doing great harm through yeah sorcery or treachery or lies yeah, La- yeah. yeah. I, was th- I was wondering whether it was um, historically how the genders would have risen to power so right, yeah. a, a, a male not yeah. necessarily a character but a man yeah. in I'm thinking western history yes. rises through physical deeds yeah. and and there's very few. I'm thinking mm. Boudicca. Mm-hmm. Joan of Arc's not physical, though, is she? Uh, but yeah, ju- she is. But not in the same sense as like someone like Genghis she Khan or William the Conqueror. That's very sneaky and lying, isn't it? Uh, that's good. That's very sure. So, but it's that thing of how how would a woman have risen yeah. to power? It would oh, have been that way. Like, and there's how stories would a, of yeah. um, there's supposedly true historical stories of uh, of. Um, female characters very upper class castle owning type women um, poisoning stepchildren mm-hmm. so that their own heirs can rise and that kind yep. of thing which yeah, is very yeah. you know you can actually believe that women would have had to have done that in those very brutal and times and even like in Shakespeare who's yeah. quite gender mm-hmm. I feel like he fleshed out a lot of female characters mm. more than a lot of his contemporaries and a lot of more than people had done before mm. but they're all poisoners mm. and that you know that they're they're sort of like uh Puppet masters. It's that matri. Sometimes not I think, all that way. No, but, but, but yeah, there are but, there are examples of that. Yeah, there, for sure. Um, but I, yeah, yeah. It's um. So I wonder. I I wonder as well whether that then feeds in to, um, if I'm thinking of it from like a teaching point of view, um, in terms of schooling, girls, uh. Because oh, I've got to be so careful, haven't you, when you <laughs> yeah, say this girls, stuff? Yes. Okay, so <laughs> in your broad, opinion. broad, sweeping <sighs> statements that do not encompass everyone. Um, I have heard it said. That's what I'm going to do as a cop out. Yeah. I have heard it said that uh, girls more naturally learn through communicating and talking, and can learn from peers or process information that way and that boys need a little bit more physical um i need to actually test it i need to do that i need to be hands-on or at the very least i need to be like doing star jumps while i listen to you or something mm-hmm. like that um and whether that's reinforced with girls are clever and boys are mm-hmm. you know in the story of uh a strong brutal warrior mm-hmm. and a very clever uh female character then you go Right, well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because yeah, yeah. us boys, we're out playing football and rugby and we're yeah, yeah, going yeah. and doing the thing. And, and the girls actually like reading and doing... Mm. There was a thing... Um, have you heard about reading reading frenzy? No. When books, books first became... It was like in the 1800s. Um, 
uh, and um, sort of books moved from being like a, a very uh, sacred and mostly religious or very important books to being like oh we can print yeah Pride and Prejudice and we can print print novels mm. for consumption yeah. um, that there was a, a view in lo- with lots of men that because the women would just read it a bit like people say now about TV like it mm. rots your brain and you're yeah, going yeah, cra- yeah. that people thought that about books yeah. and that it was a particularly female thing to do right. because the upper classes could sit and read and right. do all that stuff but I have heard that that is the point um, at which as a western society the upper classes developed more empathy oh yeah because yeah. it gave yeah. because it gave you sudden access to yeah. sto- so many more stories about people in different situations and the lower classes and people from history and all these things whereas before it would have been uh, you know these are the stories that my teacher told me yeah. or these are the three books we have in our house um, and whether there's something to do with you know Storytelling is a massive tool for teaching empathy. Yeah. And whether the fact that they are all so um, male-dominated, or not all, that's such a sweeping statement, isn't it? A lot of the Mm. stories are male-dominated. Whether that opens up more conversation for female empathy, and whether you can use that as a massive tool then for for boys that you're teaching, not just to go like, oh right did you like the story it was good that he won but go like right let's talk about the other people how do you think they felt at the end of the story how do you think she felt at the end of the story Mm. Um, and whether that feeds in Um, yeah was there any other Um, I was just going to add that um, we often talk about the kind of stories that we choose to tell and you tend to go for older stories Mm -hmm. or more kind of folk tales or fairy tales or myths and um, I quite like, especially with younger children, trying to <coughs> adapt more modern picture books yep. into a spoken tale. And I think part of the reason I do that is because there are more balanced views yeah. of gender in those stories, or it somehow is less about gender and more just about the story. About they the are tiger more like and those. how much he eats. <laughs> <laughs> it's important. For ages, actually, about the difference between frogs and toads. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, and I'd the, say the that's characters true. are more interchangeable. They could be, like you say, they can be male or female. It really doesn't matter. It's just about, um, yeah, the relationship between characters, the or journey, and the, the journey, the story. Yeah, the tiger yeah. that came came to tea. Yeah, could be a little boy. Yeah, doesn't doesn't. Although there's actually quite a lot of gender in that story, and people have taken the Mickey out of it and rewritten yeah, it really. with the same pictures. With um, yeah, yeah. So they've rewritten it like because because Daddy only turns up near the oh, end. Oh, that's true. Turns yeah, up yeah. from work, and the mum is like the tiger. There's been a tiger in the fucking house all day. <laughs> the tigers. It's not my fault. Yeah, the tiger did it. The reason the house is a tip is because the tiger did it. The reason yeah. you've got no dinner. Sorry, Daddy, that I haven't made you dinner. Oh, so, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Oh, yeah, it's massively gendered. And, um, and the dad's like, I can solve this by going out and throwing money at the problem. Let's just go to a cafe and have sausages and, yeah. I'll, have a, and I'll have beer. Um, all, the tiger drinks all Daddy's beer in that story. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's very, very, um, I don't know if it's a 60s story or 70s. 70s probably early 80s anyway um, but yeah there are people who've rewritten it you should google it it's really funny um, of like uh, it's all through mummy's 
viewpoint she's having a complete nervous breakdown <laughs> so she's having like this vision of this tiger and the tiger is the manifestation of her complete like psychological breakdown due to her repression as a housewife and all the rest of it and then there's another one uh, told as if she's an alcoholic and like she's drunk all the beer and like <laughs> said that the tiger did it so Danny comes home yet again to find that the tiger has drunk I mean all that the is beer. a story you'd come and up all with after all the beer is, though isn't it you'd be like a tiger funny. must have been a tiger yeah and they just use the same pictures but with different um do you know what actually yeah. this made me think about um uh it was a story that we heard um, I won't say who told it. Although it was, it was a good, uh, it was an enjoyable story. Um, someone told a story at one of the Southwest Forest School gatherings, not the last one, yeah. the one before, um, and it was about a postman um, who went and found magic bags, and he came back as a different, you know, uh, to try and impress the princess. And so, in the first day, he finds a bag, and it's like a. I don't know, a policeman's hat or something and he goes and pretends to be a policeman and she's not impressed and then he goes um, finds a different bag and then a different yeah. bag and a different bag and eventually the bag's empty and he tries to be himself yeah. and she loves him right. but and then I think you saying that and I was going in my head I was going right well what's she there's some nutty persistent man who keeps turning up yeah. at her house in a different hat <laughs> Just going like I'm a different person now yeah. and then at the end because he's not wearing a special hat yeah. she's like again again because no. he's just the loon with no disguise. <laughs> yeah, and this weird like, oh, you should, yeah, you should just pester her though. Yeah, exactly. Like pestering oh, her yeah, was not a problem. So many stories like that. Mental. So many stories. Mental. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway. Do you think we've waffled? Uh, we've waffled successfully. To Kingdom Come. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Oh no. Because next week, you know, we said we were going to talk about books. Oh yeah. So next week, yeah, we're going to do. Uh, Non-violent communication okay, by think. is it Michael Rosenberg? Uh, no. Oh, we need to get his name right. We need to get his name right. Non-violent communication by Marshall. Marshall Rosenberg. Marshall Rosenberg. Um, it is a cracking book. I think it's I have on- two hours left on Audible. Okay, I was going to say it's on Audible and it's very well read. Listening but, at one and a quarter speed. Yeah, listen fast. Which fa- is definitely doable. Listen fast because he talks <laughs> very, very slowly. considered. Yeah. In is it? Yeah. Get on with it. I got it. Yeah. Um, but it's a very interesting book. So next week, that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. Great. Magic. Um, what else do we need to say? Christmas is coming up, and spaces are running out for the cooking day yeah. at the end of January. Um, and that's also all our other uh, training days spread out throughout the year. Um, anything else you want to add? No. Happy Christmas. Magic. Well, we'll do. We'll see him again oh, for yeah. Christmas. Okay. Right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>